The Lord God has given me the tongue of the land, that I should know how to speak a word in season to him who is weary. He awakens me morning by morning. He awakens my ear to hear and learn. The Lord God has opened my ear, and I was not rebellious. How did I turn away? In Jesus' name, we thank you. Amen. Please be seated. I want to continue with the message I started uh, some time ago. Uh, I think it was last week. The sower. The sower. Uh, last week I started by telling us that there was a covenant, probably one of the, well, the covenant that was made, probably the first covenant right after the fall. Covenant that God made with uh, Noah after the flood. And that covenant is still in place today. As long as the earth is still here, that covenant is still in place. And the covenant still works. You can find that in Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. It's good to see you. You can find that there in, in Genesis chapter 8 verse 22. God was clear. As long as the earth remains, as long as we are still on this earth, there will be seed time and harvest. There will be a time to plant and there will be a time to, uh, to reap. So this principle still say there's still cold and there's heat. There's winter, there is summer. Day and night. As long as this is still here, this principle stands. Notice there's nothing else that's mentioned. The others, I said, you have, you, there's nothing you can do about. You can't do anything about day and night. You can't do much about winter or summer. There's nothing you can do. But you can do something about seed time and harvest. God expects you to understand when is seed time. And also to understand if there's seed time, there's going to be a harvest time. And this cuts across every area of life. Everything. Everything in life has a seed. You give it away, it comes back to you. That's what God was trying to tell us. God has a way of showing us things right from the beginning. You can tell the way God was trying to educate us by telling us how the world was created. Letting us know words matter. What you say matter. We were created in His image. And God said. And then He tells you what God said and what happened. Well, why don't you just tell us God said these things? And these things were created. One. And just list them. That's the way I'll put it. But God wants you to know. And God said, that was the first day. And then God said, and that was the second day. What was he trying to let us know? There is a principle of speaking. A law. What comes out of our mouth. And so in this same uh, Genesis chapter, 20, uh, chapter 8 verse 22, God's letting us know there is a covenant that's made with man after the fall. Notice before the fall, nothing of that sort. Now, we have to live different. The earth was cursed because of Adam's sin. But now God is saying, you, I'm not going to destroy man because of sin anymore. Not in this earth, no rain, nothing. I'm just going to wait until the very end. But meanwhile, this is how you can survive. Seed time and harvest. Seed time and harvest. Look at what it says in Psalm 126. 
This is Bible study, so I'm going to be using a lot of scriptures here so we can follow. Psalm 126, verse 5 and 6. Now, if you look at that particular psalm uh, from the very beginning, it talks about when the Lord brought back the captivity of Zion or when the Lord brought back the fortunes of Zion and it was a time of rejoicing. But then God went back to the same principle. Showing us here, those, not everyone, only those who sow in tears will reap in joy. That's telling us sowing is not very pleasant. That's not in our nature. We don't like to let go. You got some grain, you're thinking, boy, that would be good uh, for dinner. If we're going to put some in the ground, how are we sure what's going to come back to us? And how long is it going to take before we get anything out of that? And so people eat their seed. So he tells us here, those who sow, so not everybody will, but those who sow in tears, it's painful to do this, will reap in joy. And then he says, he who continually, not sometimes, that's what we do. We like to sow sometimes when we are feeling. But God says, believers walk by faith and not by sight. It's not how you feel. It's got to be something, a practice, something that's part of your living right now. I've got to do it. It's part of you. You don't even think much about it. They call for you sow. Those who continually go, is that he who continually goes forth, Weeping, again telling you, this is not very pleasant, okay? Weeping, bearing seed for sowing. So you're going for but then you are bearing seed, you want to sow. You want to sow. Nobody needs to tell you. You want to sow. It's not too pleasant, but I'm going to do it. Go, who bears seed, bearing seed for sowing shall doubtless, God says, no doubt about it, you will come again with rejoicing. Bringing his sheaves with him. That word sheaves means bundles. 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 Bringing his bundles with him. A lot with him. So, God wants us to sow. Sowing is important. Even though it's not pleasant. But this is something we have to do. And it works. It, work, it works all the time. Uh, uh, this week, my wife and I, uh, I think probably yesterday or maybe this morning, we were reflecting on this. And my wife was telling me, just one good seed can hold you up for life. I mean, we were reflecting about sowing and how that's really blessed. It's really blessed our household. And continue just listening to what God says. And sometimes taking a risk. You know, I, I don't, I'm not the type, this is not a preaching, so you can pay your tithes and all of that. For me, it's, I'm going by what God leads me to go by. That's what I'm, what I'm saying. I hope the children of God will listen to his message and his word and do what he says. So you are not a forgetful hearer because it's only the doer of the word that's blessed. Not just the hearers. So hopefully you're here tonight because God's trying to let you know this thing's got to be done. Um, it's an amazing thing. I shared in the men's fellowship. I just decided 
you know, uh, it's been, I don't know how many years now since I got uh, ordained by the AG. I, I will do this when it comes to giving. And with other things coming, God seems to be helping. You just don't miss it because God will replace. And he keeps replacing so you don't stress. God does that for us. Um, just in way of sharing, I think, you know, I want to brag on my wife because uh, she would she'll take that risk. I remember, some of us remember right after Angela was just um, let go from my job. Ministry was very young. <laughs> we were thinking about real survival. And it was not funny. So Angela says, well, I don't want to work. Well, I'm going to start. We're going to start our own, my own business. So we started the business, and she sat in that place from morning till night. Hardly anyone showed up. And Angela, we, remember, Mama, we made flyers. And I said, I'm going to, during the day, we had no office here. And I canvassed the whole area, putting flyers out. We got a new business for you, and we put all of that out. Still nobody showed up. And then we went to a conference in Colorado, and uh, uh, Angela, there was a, a TV minister uh, talking about this uh, um, stuff that they were going to do, and Angela decided to give $1,000. $1,000? What? I'm glad I was not in the room, okay? I was at the meeting, but we'll be doing some wrestling. You know. Hey! They're still giving 500 is okay. Why a thousand? But I was at the meeting when I came back. He told me I already. Uh, what did you do? <laughs> but I cannot since that time. It's just everything just changed. How we can't tell you. Actually, it changed because God brought the one that He was going to use to help us to a church service for one night, Wednesday night. And that was everything changed. He didn't come back to our church, but God changed everything. Since then, till today. One thing after the other. It, it works. It does work. Amen. I got to share that. It's very important to us. So you don't forget, because this is all actually the way you give God thanks and you're giving glory for what He's done. It's not because of the giving, God receives nothing from us. And God doesn't spend dollars. We spend dollars and the church and the ministry. He gives continually. But Jesus tells us this. If you hold on to your seed, it stays the same. And most likely you lose it. And if you say you don't have much, so you're not going to do anything because I don't have much. What's the definition of much? I'm not going to try to do anything because I don't have much. If that's your thinking, you won't do anything. Guess what you do? You're just like the man who was given the one talent. And Jesus made a remark. He said, those who have will have more. And those who don't have, what they have will be taken from them and given to the other. So you hold on to your seed, you eventually lose it. It's not going to help you. 
So just a principle here. You got to let it go. And Jesus himself, knowing he was seed from God, he was also educating us about this. When there is a need in your life, do something about it. Give what you have. In that same vein, whatever you are looking for, you have a little bit of it, but you need more. God says, let go of what you have. He'll come back to you more. And God, I said, God used the same principle that he gave to us. Principle is the same thing as law, covenant from God. God is already giving that to us. He gave it to us in Genesis chapter, chapter 8 verse 22. He gave that to us. Seed, time, and harvest. And Jesus knew because he's the only begotten of the Father. The Father knew on the earth, if I want more sons from the earth, I've got to sow. I don't want the kind of seed that they have on the earth. Those ones are unacceptable. I want the seed that look like my only begotten. So I've got to sow my son so that I can have many sons and bring all of them, according to the scripture, unto glory. But I've got to sow this son. Was it painful to sow his son? Oh, yes, it was. I can imagine on the day Jesus was dying, there were, there were dark clouds, right? The sun didn't shine for three hours. If you think that was just happening, God was saying, that's too painful. I can't even look down there. I can't even look down there. It's too painful. And then to hear the Son of God yelling from the cross, my God, my God, why has that forsaken me? That was not pleasant. Whipping, I mean sowing, <laughs> takes uh, uh, some kind of whipping. I don't know. I'm sure that the father didn't enjoy what was happening on that day when Jesus died. That wasn't pleasant for him. But he was doing it so that we can have, we, we can become part of his uh, family. And Jesus himself said this in, in uh, John chapter 12. He made it very clear to us. Nothing is hidden. I'm so glad he did. Because he told his disciples, all that the father has given to me, all the father has told me, I've, revealed, I've given everything to you. I've hidden nothing from you. And then he told us this secret. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, that's Genesis chapter 12, beginning from verse 24. I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. This was after the, the Greeks had come to him to talk to him because Jesus was in Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. There was a lot of excitement. And these Greeks, Gentiles, were also there. Personally, they wanted to... To see this Jesus they've been hearing about. And when they came to Jesus, it was a confirmation. Before this, Jesus always spoke about my hour. My hour. And the Bible always talked about his hour was not yet. And so you couldn't take him. You couldn't, you couldn't take him to the high priest or to destroy him. But as soon as those Gentiles came to him and he saw them, that was a confirmation to Jesus that his hour had come. And then he said, the hour has come. For the Son of Man to be glorified. And he was talking about the, his death. The hour has come. Just seeing the Gentiles, that's, it's an amazing thing when you look at scriptures. The Gentiles first went to Philip, and then Philip to Andrew. And Andrew, these were Jews. Andrew, they took him, they took them to Christ. Gentiles and Jews, together in one place. Jesus said, yeah. Is the whole world. The hour has come. 
the Son of God is going to be glorified. You see, for people of the world, death is a humiliation. But for God, the people of God, death glorifies. We don't have to be afraid of death. Jesus said, the time has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. And then he started making this statement. What will I say? This is the cup the Father has given to me. I've got to drink it. But then he made this statement most assuredly. I'm going to tell you, basically I'm telling you the truth. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. Just one corn kernel in the ground. Coming up, you have much more. He who loves his life, this is what Jesus says, he who loves his life will lose it. In other words, sow your life. Otherwise you're going to lose it. He, not just Jesus, every one of us. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. In other words, sow your life, give it away, die, and yet Jesus, so you can live eternally. This principle covers every area of life. You got to do this. Everything you sow comes back much. And uh, I believe it's Hosea, chapter 8, verse 7 says, uh, they sowed to the wind and they reaped they reap whirlwind. You sow wind, you reap something much bigger than what you sow. So that's the principle going on here. Let me say this. Giving and receiving, that's the principle. Giving and receiving is the same principle as sowing and reaping. That's the same. That they're the same, same uh, principle. Old Testament, talking more about... Um, Sowing and reaping in the New Testament is giving. They are the same. Uh, sowing is giving. Reaping is receiving. Giving, that's a lot of whipping that goes with that. <laughs> receiving, that's fun, okay? Because, you know, sowing involves faith. To let go, you have to have faith that more is coming. If you don't believe more is coming... It's hard to let go of what you got. Right? Unless you believe, yeah, if you got a job, well, I'll give this thousand because God will help me. If nothing happens, at least at the end of the month, okay, you believe something is coming. So if, if you don't have something coming, you have to require, it takes a lot of faith to let go at that point. That's why giving or sowing is not that much fun. You got to trust God for the future. Because you don't have control of what's coming back. But God is guaranteed, you said, without a doubt, it's coming back to you. And so you can afford, by faith, to step based on His Word. By faith, to let go. And you have to understand this. Anything that is not of faith is sin. I believe that's in Romans 14, verse 23. Anything that is not of faith... If you do anything that's not of faith, it's sin. So God expects you to give out, to let go in faith. That is going to, you're going to get it back from God according to his word. God's going to bless you. 
So giving is, is a lot of labor. That's, that's labor to it. Both of them have labor. It, it, the first part of the labor, it, it, it takes labor to, to receive, right? I mean, uh, to reap. That's labor. labor. But there's pleasant labor because uh, you don't need faith. I mean, it's right there before you, and they, oh, they're giving it to you. That's, thank you, brother, right? It's fun. That's rejoicing. But when you're letting it go, there's no much rejoicing. I mean, you can, unless you know God, you have that faith that God's given it, and you, you've established your faith in that, then you can let go. So both of them require a lot of work. Now, m- most people, because it's not in our nature, we were not, in, especially for the sin, sinful person, or the one who is not born again, to let go is not in our nature. We don't want to do that. So many are afraid to sow or to give. They're just afraid to let go. Many are, but they stay constantly in the hopes of receiving. Have you understand this? They are afraid to let go, but they are trusting that they are waiting constantly to get something back. Well, you didn't give anything. You didn't sow. How come you keep expecting some miracle to take place when you are afraid to let go? So you are constantly afraid to let go because you are afraid there's nothing coming, but then you still hope that something is going to come and you stay hoping constantly, well, it won't work. If you don't sow, you have nothing to reap. That's just the principle here. And the funny thing that I found among believers is, is, is so funny. Have you seen them? They'll tell, brother, I just love the Lord. Yes, we know you love the Lord. And I give. And I just don't care whether I receive or not. Well, that's stupid. Excuse me. <laughs> but, but you hear Christians saying that. Well, if you are not expecting it, you are not going to apply faith. Right? And anything that is not of faith is sin. God's not involved. You just threw your money away. Can you imagine planting corn and not expecting? You went out and labored planting all day, all night. And you you just go back home and say, I'm not expecting anything. I say, boy, what kind of a guy is this? Is he nuts? But that's what Christians do. They give to God. They've just been good Christians. They don't expect anything back. They leave everything up to the Lord. Well, God is not expecting you to leave everything up to Him. He says, apply faith. Anything that is without faith is sin. How can you be involved in sin and expect God to bless you? That's one of the mistakes we do when we who sow and say, I am so high, holy and righteous, it's up to the Lord. No, God says, no, believe. Have, accept, believe that she's gonna, you're going to have it back. Because he said so. There is no greater motive to have in your heart than the motive that God gave you in the scriptures. God says, expect it back. You want to be too holy by yourself? No. Stay with what God says. And that's the, the righteous uh, uh, motive. Because you believe what God says. If you don't believe, it's not going to please God. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. 
And so if you're not expecting back, you're not applying faith, and you're not going to receive anything. If you plant and you're not expecting anything back, most likely, after planting, I mean in real natural life, if you plant and you're not expecting anything back, there's no need for you to go back and water the seed, right? No, you won't do it. You pass by with weed all around the same place where you planted, and you don't care because you're not expecting anything back. But if you plant expecting, then you grow in faith as you hear more words, and then you can believe God, that God, even though He's uh, is, is not back yet, I can't see anything yet, as you grow in faith, your faith waters your seed, and with time, that's why the Bible says, don't be weary in well-doing, for in due time you'll reap. If you don't stop watering your seed, that's gospel according to good luck, okay? If you don't, if you don't uh, faint, in other words, if you don't quit. So it's important that you stay in faith, believe in God, and probably still so more. Continue to do what you're doing, because in due time, don't be weary in well-doing, in due time you are going to reap. God cannot lie. Keep doing it, and sometimes God's just testing you to see if you quit. And if you quit, you're double-minded. And a double-minded person is unstable in all his ways, and the Bible says, let not that person think he'll receive anything from the Lord. Sometimes we are too concerned about what people think. So I'm giving, but nothing is coming. God's waiting. But I tell you what, God can not just in one day, one event, one, just one thing, God can transform your whole life. If you stay trusting Him and refusing to, to let in. There's a scripture I read in um, Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. Um, and Paul was the one speaking. And, and, and if you read through the gospel, you probably won't read this. But it's something that if you read just the scriptures, it could be lost. But this was something that they had to remind themselves about constantly. And I'm going to read that to you. It's so important. Because Paul wasn't with Jesus. He didn't walk with Jesus. So he must have heard it from what others were saying. But it seemed like this was something that Jesus said often. But if you read in the Gospels, you may not find it. It's there, but you may not find it the way Paul put it. Let me read this to you in, uh, in Acts 20, verse 35. It says, I have shown you in every way. How many ways? Every way. I'm trying to teach you a lesson. I'm trying to get you to understand this. I've shown you in every way. By laboring like this. I'm doing God's work. I'm laboring. That's sowing. I'm laboring like this. Just giving of myself. Walking with my hand, with his hands. Sorry, it says, uh, I went to another scripture. That you must support the weak. I have shown you in every way by laboring like this. That you must support the weak. In other words, look at the term must, right? What does that involve? Giving. And spending time. Because giving is not just money. Emotional support. Staying with them, spending time with them, loving them, cleaning them up sometimes, 
helping them to go to the bathroom, taking them wherever they want to go. That's helping, supporting, supporting the weak. But I'm laboring. And then he tells us, all of this, that's seed. Everything you do is seed. It's, it's going to come back to you. Don't quit. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. And I'm telling you, when you find a secret from the Word of God, it's an amazing. You can have a whole church of people. And most people don't understand. And God gives you a secret. And you're looking to experiment. Amen? You want to experiment. Even though your brothers are not doing it, you want to go ahead and you're trying it. And before long, people can say, well, something is going on here. But they don't know. And sometimes you may try to tell them what's going on, and they still can't get it. Because you only get it by revelation. Once you get it by revelation, the fear is gone. Amen? And then you can come out of the boat, step out of the boat, and begin to walk on water. While the others still stay in the boat and watch. Right? Because you got the revelation. He said, I have shown you in every way by laboring like this, that you must support the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he said. Have you read this in the scriptures? You're going to show me that quote from the gospel. He said, it is more blessed to give than to Show me the verse in John or Matthew. It's not there. He just said, give and it shall be given to you, right? But you can't read that sentence. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But Paul wanted them to remember. Don't forget, when you see me laboring, I got this stuff in my head. Because you remember, Jesus said this. So I'm doing all of this because it's more blessed to give than to receive. There is more weeping to giving than to receiving. But when you understand the principle, uh, the outcome is greater if you didn't do anything with regards to giving. It's more. It's more. When you let go, it's more. The reason you won't let go is fear. It's fear. And it manifests itself in, in different ways. There is fear because if I let go, I won't have enough. How do you define enough? Some people have millions. They're still afraid. He's not enough. They have hundreds of thousands. But then there's this other guy. He also has just $10 in the bank. And that's not enough. Certainly it's not enough for him. But believe me, you can have somebody else. He has 100000 in the bank. And that's still not enough. They will try to get from your ten to add to their hundred thousand. Yes. That's just the way it is. Because we have been deceived by the enemy. That's why Paul says to be content. So Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. If you don't understand this, please read this scripture with me. This is Ephesians chapter 4 verse 28. If you don't understand, because this is the way God is setting it up for us. That if you want to really have peace, you really want to have joy, you want to have your health and live for God and really live on the earth like Jesus lived, no want. Jesus had nothing. If you bother him, he just sent Peter to go get a fish, take the coin from the fish's mouth and pay the bills. He could care less. He had everything. 
He didn't even bother with Judas and the money bag. Okay? Don't count anything. Just go to the river, get some. He had everything. But look at what it says here. Let him who stole steal no longer. Why will a man be stealing? Because he thinks he doesn't have much, right? I got to go get. But look at what it says. Let him who who stole steal no no longer, but rather let him labor. So work, find some job. Work. Working with his hands what is good. In other words, find something good to do. To earn some money so you can have a living. Is that what it says? No. That he may have something to give to him who has need. Does that make sense? I'm stealing. He asked me to work. Not so I can stop stealing because now I have. He's telling me, go and work, get the money and give it away. If I give it away, then are you asking me to go back to steal? Because now I don't have. No, because when you give it away, it's more blessed to give than to receive. When you give it away, more will come back. God cannot lie. He watches over his word to perform it. So God will not allow his word to fall to the ground. But many believers, they don't understand this principle. We are afraid... And you know what the Bible says? Fear has torment. And who, he who fears, he's not made perfect in love. So when you are perfect in love for God, you have no fear. And if you have a fear of giving out because you don't know what's going to happen, I'm not saying you shouldn't use wisdom. That's okay. But don't be afraid to give. Don't be afraid to give. I mean, I'm not talking about just giving to the house of God. You can give everywhere. This church, one time, I, I believe some of us can remember, Benihim was going to um, India. We were still in that building there. And uh, we needed money to come here. <laughs> and uh, we gave $10,000. Our church, we sold $10,000. Few few months later, we sold another five thousand to another ministry because we need. That's the way it should be. You give it out, it comes back to you. How we don't know, but after you after you mail that ten thousand dollars so, <laughs> every day you go to the account to see whether it's actually gone. You know. Okay, sowing is, sowing is, uh, it comes with wicking, okay? <laughs> and when that first day comes and the $10,000 is gone, oh, wow. Is a God help us. <laughs> that $10,000 is gone. Yes, it was for ministry, I know, but the 10000 is gone. Okay? But God is faithful. He will send it back. And more. We've still been paying our bills. And still give to other ministries. We liked it so much. A few months later we did it again. Not as big as the other one. That one was stupid for now. Okay. <laughs> but we have to do it. It's more blessed to give. 
Jesus told us, give and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaking together and running over. He says, men will put to your bosom. And it's what you give, the same measure is going to be measured back to you. But it's going to be more. I, I like the scripture in um, Acts, I mean, uh, Matthew chapter 20. No, sorry, 19. Where, um, Matthew chapter 19. Uh, Jesus, I, I guess I referred to that last week. Where um, Jesus was saying, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man. And the disciples like, oh my goodness. No, who, who then can be saved? We are all rich. What's the matter? How, who then? They were, they were really shocked by that statement. And they wanted to know. I love those guys. They wanted to be sure they were part of this kingdom. Nothing's going to get it out. And Jesus uh, said, uh, with man it's uh, impossible. With God, all things are possible. Uh, that didn't satisfy Peter. Jesus, Peter said, look, Master, we have left everything to follow you. What will we get? And Jesus said, let me tell you the truth. Uh, King James says, verily, verily. You know that word? I tell you. He says, no man, if you leave land, if you give land, if you leave brother, sister, don't matter, whatever you leave, you have a hundredfold in this life first, and then in the world to come, eternal life. So the principle is there. All we have to do is work on these principles. And God will help us. I want to go to this. Is engage your life in sowing and reaping. Just get yourself involved. Not just giving of money alone. There are many different areas to give. Sometimes when we talk about sowing and reaping, notice God didn't define it. He just said, as long as the earth re- remains, sowing and reaping. Everybody, a farmer in the world today? <laughs> no. The earth still here, but sowing and reaping it doesn't involve just planting seed, grain, or wheat. Every area of life is sowing. It's funny how if you, read, you look in, in life, if you didn't take care of your parents when they were old, and they call you and you refuse to go because you are busy, when you get old, guess what's going to happen? Your kids are all so busy. They won't come. You'll be in the nursing home, <laughs> and it's only the preacher that comes to play his guitar. <laughs> That's going to be your friend. They're not coming. Because what you sow is what you reap. Now, if they see you taking care of your parents as they're growing up, and bringing your parents home and you're taking care of them. No complaints. You're teaching them a very valuable lesson. They believe that in life this is the way it goes. When your parents get old, you take care of them. And when it's your turn, guess what they do? They'll do it even better. Because they learn from you. That's just the way life is. What you sow is what you're going to get. You can't escape from it. That's why the Bible tells us in Galatians 6, 7. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever you sow, that you will reap also. Don't deceive yourself. 
Don't deceive yourself. You can't mock God. In other words, God's already said it. And that thing is settled in heaven. Forever, O oh Lord, your word is settled in heaven. So when it's settled in heaven, it affects the whole universe. You go against it, you break yourself. And like what Jesus said, everyone that falls on this rock is broken. But if the rock falls on you, he'll grind, he'll grind you to powder. It's there in the scriptures. You can't do anything about the rock. It's the word of God. So we've got to flow with that. So engage yourself in sowing because it works. It's got to be by faith. It's the same faith that Peter had when he came out of the boat and walked on water. But I guarantee you, if you keep doing this, trying the water to see if you hold your weight, you stay in the boat. You'll never come out of that boat, I'm telling you, because you never appear like you will hold your weight. But when Peter stepped out, it was solid. He walked on water, didn't he? If he, if he has sank a little bit, you, if I, I put myself in his place. If Jesus said, come, and I stepped out, and I sank up to the, I'll just hold on to the boat, right back in. I'm not going anywhere. But when he obeyed, he landed solid. And he walked on water. And that's the same principle with the word of God in everything that God has spoken. God will keep his word. He walks on his word. So the best place to sow, Jesus told us, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things. So if my mind is focused on doing God's work, God will protect you. You know, I think about somebody like Billy Graham. You know, Billy Graham. Till today, he's 90 something years old now. It's an amazing thing. Just a young man from an obscure family, but he had this passion for the word of God spreading. And if you read his story, presidents were happy to be in his presence all over the world, including the United States. They were happy to be in the presence of the man of God because the kingdom was number one for him. And he's still the same thing today. They interview him. I just read an article from him just recently and he was giving some principles for living uh, in this article. And they, they published it. Because it was from Billy Graham. Amen? He had God as number one. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All of these things God will add to you. So if you carry on, and then you can believe me. If there is somebody that says, I'm a part of this church. I'm going to be sure. Nobody's telling that person. They just have it in their head. I'm not going to allow my church to suffer in any area. Even if it hurts me, I'm going to do something about it. That person will never know one, ever. Because as they are looking out to God's word and work, it doesn't happen here very much. But I see that, like in, uh, I, won't, I will say this, you see somebody like, uh, some of you that were with me in Nigeria. Um, you remember OJ? Yes. And that's the way he is. Even though that's his brother, from the time I've known them for many years, OJ has that church in his back. He's had it for a long time. He won't let anything happen to that church because he had some. And I've known them for years. 
Now, when we went to Nigeria, what, what, what did you see with him? Those Bentleys, Mercedes Benz and all of that, they were not there. He's already bought a land for the church by himself. He wants another building for the church. And while other contractors around that, they are falling apart. Mama, you know about Ayo, right? They are falling apart. God will not let it happen to him. Not him. He goes up. Because he's taking, even though, you know how it's tough to work with your, your brother in the church? He respects his brother, the pastor. So much. Some of us saw that. Anything pastor wants, he's right there. Pastor wants to go to the United States. He, he's, he's ready to do anything to food the bill. That was your church. Pastor just made him one of the pastors in the church. But he never knew once. He never. I don't think that man. And I, he don't, I'm not sure even if he understands what's going on. But I've known him when they were little. He didn't have too much to where he is today. But I've known that he's, he's always had this mind focused on growing that work. He's willing to do anything as long as it comes to when it regards saving of souls and the growth of their church. And God's blessed him. That's just the way it works. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. My time is up. I've got to quit. Stand up with me tonight. Um, I'm going to let you know, this is sometimes when people hear pastor talking about giving, it's like, okay, uh, he's wanting us to give. No, keep your money. (laughs) That's not why I'm doing this. There's no pressure. God is helping our church. All I'm saying is, this is the word of God. There's a principle here. I pray that God will open your eyes to see that this is a blessing to us. He's teaching us this so that we can live a life that uh, is pleasing. God wants us to prosper, not just in finances, but in every area of life. If you have a lot of money and your son is terminally sick and the doctors don't know what to do, your money is not going to put a smile on your face. You got more problems now. So it's not all about just money, but God will make sure you succeed in life. Every area of your life is covered by Him because you are precious to Him. And we are. I think we frustrate Him a lot because we are not giving Him room to work. I remember Jesus going into Jerusalem and He was weeping. He said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you knew, if you understood, I would have taken you like chicks under my wing. But now, you refuse and you are left to your own house. What a pain. He wept because he wanted to help them. They were not willing. They didn't understand it. I don't want to be there. I don't want to be in that kind of group. I want to let God use me and, want, and bless me in this life. There's nothing God cannot do. I'd like you to put up your hope tonight. Lift up. Let that hope come alive in you again and say, no matter what's happening to me, I've got God's word. If I got nothing, I got his word now. That's step one. That's the foundation. I've got his word. And now, God, you give me grace to walk your word because I'm willing. 
Isaiah chapter 1 verse 19. If you are willing and obedient, you eat of the good of the land. If you are willing and obedient, you got his word now. He wants a willingness. He wants a little obedience. Amen. And God will do it. Lift your hands up to the, to, to the Lord tonight. And, and let's give him thanks. Thank you, God, for your word. It's the revelation of God's word that gives us faith. And I believe tonight there is faith inside of you. There is faith inside of you. To labor. Not just in giving finances, but in giving also love. We'll talk about that next week. Friendship. That's very important. Little kindness here. A little time here. Even though it's a little bit inconveniencing for you. But you do it. Because the Father has commanded it. And God will give you back more time. More. More. And peace. And joy. And health. Father, we thank you for your great love for us. Thank you for your great kindness. Thank you for revealing your truth to us, O God, that through this we might be partakers of your divine nature. Thank you for your love, Father. Thank you for the grace of God that's appeared to every man. Thank you for your love that is shared abroad in our hearts. We thank you. We confess with our mouth that we are children of the living God and we have what it takes to obey your word and we give you praise tonight in Jesus name and God's people said Amen